welcome to the Johannesburg Church of Christ podcast. In these podcasts, we seek to know Christ and to make him known to all nations and people. May this week's message transform your thinking in the likeness of Christ as you get to know him more. Greetings to all the Southern African churches and a happy Women's Day to all the amazing sisters. I am so glad that we get to honor and uphold the woman today. We both love that poem that Leslie just shared with us and the insightful comment in the last line about how easy it is to forget your worth. And so today's sermon is entitled, In Search of Worth. You know, of course, that struggle for worth is not limited to women. It's a struggle that men have too. It's a human problem. You know, all of us have this natural desire to want to feel worthy, to want to feel loved, accepted, and valued. In the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, the Bible says, So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. You and I were created in the image of God. Men and women together, we are bearers of the divine image. What I want you to do is to turn to someone next to you. And say to them, you bear the image of God. If you're not with anyone, maybe take someone. You bear the image of God. So I want us to actually do it. You bear the image of God. You bear the image of God. Wow, what a different perspective than you're the one who didn't wash the dishes. Or you're the one who didn't do the laundry. We bear the image of God. You know, our definition of who we are and our value was created at creation. And yet Satan is constantly working to take that away and steal it from us. And I pray that today, the two simple points that we share with you will encourage you in your search for worth. Point number one today is searching for worth in all the wrong places. Let's start in the beginning in the book of Genesis, Genesis 3, verse 1 to 6. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. You know, Satan is really crafty. He convinces Eve that she's missing out, that she needs something more. In Eve's case, it's more knowledge or more understanding. She was not enough just as she was. She didn't have enough just as things were. Think about that for a moment. She was in the Garden of Eden, and yet somehow Satan convinced her that she needed more. It's incredible. And so she reaches out, and she eats of the forbidden fruit. Adam, of course, is also drawn into this illicit quest for more, and he too feels like he's missing out. He also wants to try what Eve is trying, and so the serpent dupes them both. You know, Satan is so wicked and so deceitful. He entices them with, you can gain more, but what they actually end up with is less. You know, church, there's a warning here. Satan is just as crafty in his schemes with us. When we forget who we are 
and whose we are, Satan undermines our sense of worth. He undermines our confidence of being enough, of being complete, and convinces us to find our worth in other things. We can end up searching for worth, a a sense of who we are or our identity, in all the wrong places. If I could just get this, I will feel worthy. Maybe for you it's like Eve, it's more knowledge, maybe another degree or more education, then you'll feel worthy and accepted. Maybe it's more stuff, more things, more experiences, maybe it's a relationship. If I could just have this guy as my boyfriend or this girl as my girlfriend, then I would feel feel complete. Now, none of these things are wrong in and of themselves, but if you're hoping to find your worth there, you will be sadly disappointed. Of course, the chase can be exhilarating. The striving to get the things that you're after can give you this sort of brief sense of purpose. But if it's where you've set your hope to fill the gap in your heart, the end result will simply be disappointing. I read a very true observation, and it goes like this. Now that we are freer to enjoy life, we are deeply frustrated in our disappointment that the freedom and comfort we sought with such deep desire did not give meaning or purpose to our lives. You know, I found that very much to be true in my own life. You know, when I was growing up, my only real desire was to become a professional racing car driver. And I followed all the the racing drivers, Michael Schumacher and Ayrton Senna and all these famous guys. And I wanted to be just like them. And so I worked so hard to be able to become a South African racing champion. And I gave up weekends and I gave up time. I would spend 40 hours a week reading manuals about how, uh, engineering manuals about how cars worked. And, and I, I went out to the racetrack and I spent literally hundreds of hours trying to become an SA racing champion. And you know, the funny thing was, when I became that champion, I just felt empty inside. I remember waking up the next day after getting the awards and getting the trophy and getting the medal, and I felt completely empty on the inside. I couldn't understand it. How could it be that the thing I'd been chasing and believing would make me so happy actually left me feeling so empty? You know, Satan's lies always promise more, but in the end result in less. If you're yet to be convinced, there was another couple in the New Testament that Satan enticed to find their worth in the wrong place. In Acts chapter 5, we read the story of Ananias and Sapphira. They were well known in the church. This is a church of over 5,000 people, and yet the Apostle Peter knew them by name. Yet somehow, they wanted more. Let's read Acts chapter 5, verse 1 to 10. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the Apostle's feet. Then Peter said, Ananias... How is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept yourself some of the money that you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died, and great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. 
Peter said to her, How could you conspire to test the Spirit of the Lord? Listen, the men, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment she fell down at his feet and died. The young men came in, and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. This is such a wild story. I know I've read it and thought, whoa, this is hectic. This is intense. And yet I often wonder why, why did they feel motivated to lie to, to God and to man? And, you know, during those days, the church, many members in the church were selling property and bringing it to the apostles. And maybe Ananias and Sapphira had watched from the side and, and seen people be impressed with other people. And, and they felt like, but hey, we, we also want people to be impressed with us. Now, we want to also be known as the generous ones, the, the spiritual ones. And so what they'd done is they'd, they'd sold their property. And instead of just being honest, what they did is they, they lied about how much money. You know, it's sad to me that Satan duped them. Satan duped them into believing that they were not enough just as they were. And that in order to feel worthy, in order to feel more impressive, they needed people to think that they were great. But truthfully, this is something that I know I have fallen into, being a people pleaser. You know, where I, I stop thinking about what God thinks of me. And I'm, I'm so concerned about what do people think of me? Do they, do they think I'm sweet enough? Am I kind enough? Am I spiritual enough? Am I wise enough? I don't know if you can relate, but I definitely have struggled with telling half-truths, maybe exaggerating something that happened or, you know, trying to reinforce some reputation. What reputation do you feel like you need to reinforce? I know that Satan is constantly duping us to say, you know what, sister, you are not enough. You need people to think this way about you. Maybe it's at work or maybe it's at school or at home or even at church. You need people to think that you're this type of person. And yet what we can do is we end up compromising our integrity. And what integrity is, is it's who you are in front of people versus who you are by yourself. My question to you today, sister, are they the same thing? Or have you started to resort to half truths and lies? Are there things that you need to get honest about? that you can feel like an authentic person where you're able to be vulnerable with people and not be afraid that they're not going to love you or accept you because truly our value lies with God and He values us and He accepts us and He loves us. And we have to remember that. Don't let Satan dupe you into believing these lies. We've got to remember who we are and whose we are. Brothers and sisters, the only thing that matters is who we are before God. You know, I remember uh, some time back, I was, uh, Irene and I just started leading the Northwest region and uh, the, the region had been growing. We were meeting at FDR Primary School and we outgrew the venue. So Mike and Amajit, who, who were discipling us at the time and leading the whole church, said to us, well, split into a morning and an evening service and go to, uh, you know, both services for a while to make sure they, they're going well. And then you can pick a service to be a part of the evening service. And so I did. I went to a morning, I went to an evening, went to a morning, went to evening, and then I decided it was fine. And so the one Sunday morning, one of the guys that I was discipling at the time phoned me up and said, why don't we go play a round of golf? So I said, great idea. So off I went with this brother to play golf and have a discipling chat on the golf course. And lo and behold, my phone rang. And on the other end of the line was Mike, and his question to me was, hey Jay, how did the morning service go? 
my response was, uh, it went great. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was awesome. Of course, I lied. And I put the phone down, and I, I was conscience-stricken that I had been dishonest. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I don't know. I mean, I'm gonna, I need to call Mike back. I need to confess this was wrong. And I didn't know, is he going to fire me from the ministry? And, but I thought the only thing that matters is where I stand before God. And so I phoned him back and I said, Mike, I have to be honest, I lied to you. I, I don't know how the morning service was. And I really apologize, I'm really sorry. But you know, it was so good to just be honest, to make sure that the only person I was really worrying about is God and what he thought about me. Church, don't let Satan dupe you into searching for your worth elsewhere. It'll be a miserable trap for you to fall into. So if there are wrong places to find our worth, where are the right places that we should seek our worth in? Point number two today, find your worth at the foot of the cross. You know, the creation story reveals God's love and acceptance of each and every one of us. We bear His image. We are made in God's likeness. Now, after Satan corrupted everything, God in His mercy made a plan to save us and to continue to remind us whose we are and who we are and how valuable we are to God. Jesus' death on the cross is an eternal reminder of our worth to our Creator. We want to look at one specific woman who stood at the foot of the cross and found her worth there. Let's read together in John 19, verse 25. Near the cross of Jesus stood His mother, His mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw His mother there and the disciple whom He loved standing nearby, He said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. You know, Mary did not have a perfect spiritual track record. In fact, at one point, the Bible tells us that she tried to take charge of Jesus because she thought that he had lost his mind. You know, she had her ups and her downs in her faith, just like we do. But in the end, she knew where she needed to be and where she should stand. Wow, how painful must it have been to watch her son die. You know, there's so much more we could say about that. But for right now, I just want to focus on one point. You know, imagine if Mary had stood far away from the cross and not at the foot of the cross. If she had, she would have not heard Jesus' words. She would have not heard him caring for her, even in his death. She would have missed his quiet voice, but she was near enough not to miss it. You know, God is speaking to us today too. God is caring for us and and meeting our needs and making provision. But whose voice are you hearing? You know, Mary heard Jesus take care of her that day. Are you hearing God take care of you? You know, Eve listened to Satan's voice, but Mary was listening out for Jesus's voice. Sister, are you near the cross of Jesus today? Are you near the word? Are you listening? Are you hearing Are you near enough to hear his love for you, to hear his forgiveness, to hear his surrender? Or is Satan's voice what you're hearing, just whispering in your ears, telling you you're not good enough, you're not worthy, you're a failure, you'll never be good enough, that God doesn't accept you, God doesn't want you, maybe the people around you don't want you. But I'm here to tell you that we are loved by God. And if we will still our hearts, And allow ourselves to sit at the foot of the cross. Just slow your schedule down. 
Slow, slow the busyness of life down. Sit at the foot of the cross and find your value there. You will be amazed at the treasure you will find. Thank you, sweetie, for what you shared. Let's all be close to the foot of the cross so that we can hear Jesus' voice. Yes. You know, church, as we wrap this up, Mary chose to be near the cross, to stay close to Jesus. At the foot of the cross is where we find our worth. You don't have to look for it in other places. You know, sisters, on this International Women's Day, you are daughters of the Almighty God. Amen. You know, when, when God created you, He didn't take you from Adam's foot that you should be under a man, and He didn't take you from His head that you should rule over and control Him. He took you from His side from his rib, so that you would be equals. I want to encourage all of us, don't find your worth in all the wrong places. They will actually only end up diminishing you. Your worth is in your identity in Christ, a treasured son and daughter of the Almighty God. God bless. Have a wonderful International Women's Day.